Hey everyone, it's great to be with you this morning. I am a huge fan of the Christmas season. Recently, I had a chance to drive through a community near Pasadena that goes wild setting up Christmas lights. Almost every neighbor puts up tons of lights and decorations, and it's absolutely gorgeous to drive through and see how people have creatively decorated their homes. I love seeing Christmas lights, hearing Christmas carols, going to Christmas parties, and most of all, being with family that I usually don't get to be with. I also realize that this time of year can be difficult for some of us. Those who have lost loved ones or who have just felt the heavy weight of all that's gone on in 2020, it has been a hard year for a lot of people. One of the things that inevitably comes during the holiday season are requests for nonprofits to give a little extra money to meet their year-end budget goal. We also do this in the church. The reality is, in addition to organizations working to close their year-end books, during this season, many of us seem to be a bit more cheerful and willing to give. It's one of the reasons we do the alternative Christmas market every year at WPC. We recognize that giving to both our local and international mission partners is one way we can serve and love our neighbors. And this year's gift market was a huge success, raising over $10,000. Recently, I received a letter from Compassion International asking if I want to adopt more sponsored children or to give to a specific need. Every time I get one of these letters, it's hard for me to say no because I love their work. I love that organizations like Compassion International and World Vision demonstrate God's unconditional love by providing relief workers and resources for under-resourced people around the world, no matter their faith, race, or ethnicity. And one of the best parts of their presence in these communities is that they also share the good news of the gospel with them. Hundreds of millions of people have come to know that there is a God who loves them, unconditional, a God who wants to have a relationship with them through Jesus, all because of the work that these organizations are doing. Throughout church history, sharing the gospel message has been at the center of our call as Christians. As followers of Jesus, that is our purpose, our marching orders from God. A great example of this is someone uh, by the name of Philip, who went by Philip the Evangelist. And he traveled all around Palestine during the first century, sharing with people about Jesus. And, he had come, and how Jesus had come to make things right between us and God. He was a Greek Jew who gave his life to Jesus and who played a significant role in the early church. We see in Acts 6 that before he became a traveling evangelist, he was actually one of the seven people chosen by the apostles to meet the needs of the Greek widow. He was also likely present when Jesus told his followers to bring the gospel to all nations at the beginning of the book. Um, at the beginning of Acts, Luke tells us that before Jesus ascended to heaven, he told his followers you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all of Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. A few chapters later, in the book of Acts, Luke records Philip receiving the following message from the Lord. It is the story of Philip and the Ethiopian eunuch in Acts 8, beginning at verse 16. Now an angel of the Lord said to Philip, Go south to the road, the desert road, that goes down from Jerusalem to Gaza. So he started out, and on his way he met an Ethiopian eunuch and an important official in charge of all the treasury of the Candace, 
which means Queen of the Ethiopians. This man had gone to Jerusalem to worship, and on his way home was sitting in his chariot reading the book of Isaiah the prophet. The spirit told Philip, go to the chariot and stay near it. Then Philip ran up to the chariot and heard the man reading Isaiah the prophet. Do you understand what you are reading, Philip asked. How can I, he said, unless someone explains it to me. So he invited Philip to come up and sit with him. This is the passage of scripture that the Ethiopian was reading. He was led like a sheep to the slaughter and as a lamb before its shearer in silence. So he did not open his mouth. In his humiliation, he was deprived of justice. Who can speak of his descendants? For his life was taken from the earth. The Ethiopian asked Philip, tell me, please, who is the prophet talking about, himself or someone else? Then Philip began with the very passage of scripture and told him the good news about Jesus. As they traveled around along the road, they came to some water, and the Ethiopian said, Look, here is water. What can stand in the way of my being baptized? And he gave orders to stop the chariot. Then both Philip and the Ethiopian went down into the water, and Philip baptized him. When they came up out of the water, the Spirit of the Lord suddenly took Philip away, and the Ethiopian did not see him again, but went on his way rejoicing. Philip, however, appeared at Azotus and traveled about preaching the gospel in all the towns until he reached Caesarea. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. So there are two main themes that we can take away from Philip's experience with the Ethiopian. First, the gospel message is one that breaks down and eradicates all social, racial, ethnic barriers. Second, God sovereignly guides and empowers his servants to accomplish his mission to bring the gospel to the world. God orchestrated the details of the divine appointment for Philip to share the gospel with the high-ranking Ethiopian official so that he could, in turn, go and share it with people in Ethiopia and start a church in Africa. From this story, we learn that one of the first steps of being used by God to take the truth to people is to simply make ourselves available. It's to say yes when God says go. Here's a key biblical principle. God is not looking for people with ability as much as he's looking for people with availability. Philip didn't necessarily have a lot of ability. As far as we know, he wasn't a scholar or an orator. He wasn't a trained pastor who graduated from seminary. He was a guy who had recently heard about Jesus and spent some time with the apostles getting to know about Jesus. But because Philip made himself available, God used him to introduce the gospel to a whole new nation and culture through a wealthy and powerful African government official who worked in a high place, likely as a finance minister, within the Queen's palace in Ethiopia. One of the things I love about this story is seeing how present God is in bringing about his kingdom to earth. God's fingerprints were all over the Ethiopian's conversion. The Holy Spirit had arranged for the Ethiopian and Philip's path to cross just in time for Philip to hear the man reading aloud from Isaiah's prophecy. Philip came up alongside the chariot, just as the Ethiopian was reading a prophetic text about Jesus, written hundreds of years before Jesus came to earth. And the text he was reading is one of the most explicit messianic passages in the Old Testament. The passage the Ethiopian was reading is from Isaiah 53. It speaks of the unjust humiliation and sufferings of the Lord's servant. The Ethiopian's question about this servant's identity was a perfect starting place for Philip to share the gospel with him. 
Then, after Philip explains to the Ethiopian that Jesus came as a suffering servant to take the sins of the world upon himself through the cross and resurrection, the Ethiopian, moved by the Spirit, was ready right then to believe and be baptized. Philip, recognizing that this was indeed a divine appointment, was convinced that the Ethiopian's conversion was, was genuine and decided to baptize him on the spot. Now, as we think about applying Philip's story to our lives, let's consider the following. First, there are many ways that we can share the gospel. We can support organizations like World Vision and Compassion International, or any of our WPC mission partners that focus on sharing the great news of Jesus with people worldwide. Second, we can pray that God will put people in our path that we can help bring to Christ. Building uh, intentional one-on-one relationships is one of the most powerful ways of sharing the gospel. We don't have to be a trained pastor or a street evangelist or anything like that to tell others about our relationship with Jesus. In fact, many people in the early church, after they had been told about Jesus by a friend or a co-worker or an acquaintance, became a witness of their faith to those around them. Third, we can celebrate well. We are wrapping up Christmas this season, but you never know how far things like putting up Christmas lights and decorations during the holidays or sending out Christmas cards might go. You never know what sort of conversations might be launched because of the joy you share with others by letting them know that you believe in Jesus. There are many ways we can share the gospel. With this in mind, it's important that we continuously keep in mind how we can let those near and far know about the good news of Jesus coming to earth and that God cares more about our availability than our ability. Let's pray. Gracious God, we thank you that we get the opportunity to partner with you in bringing people into your kingdom. Thank you for the divine appointments to share the message of Jesus you have set before us. Help us to recognize where and when you are leading us to share the gospel with someone and help us to do it in a way that best represents you. In your name we pray. Amen.